0: Well, good morning welcome to Fellowship. I hope y'all are having a great summer, enjoying your vacations, your staycations and evenings and weekends outdoors. This is a beautiful time to live in West Michigan when we're really glad that we live here, unlike in January. A special welcome to those of you who are joining us online, whether right now or later on in the week catching up. As the community of Fellowship Church, we gather together and worship to reorient ourselves to the story of God and God's people. In worshiping Jesus Christ, we join the saints and angels and the global church in aligning ourselves with the capital R reality that Christ is King and Lord over all. Let's stand as you're able and let's sing together of that truth that anchors us.
1: of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We're gonna shout out
0: I don't mean to be a downer, but can I be honest with you? I sometimes have a hard time leading y'all in that song because I know that there isn't always joy in the house of the Lord. On any given Sunday, we gather together. We bring a variety of thoughts, feelings, and experiences with us into the room. On the one hand, as followers of Jesus, we recognize the truth that Christ is King and Lord over all. And at the same time, there is pain and darkness, sadness, and desperation in our lives and in the world around us. And we cannot, nor should we feel we have to, ignore it. Easy answers that don't feel true to our situation are especially hard to take as we experience our own and others' pain. So this morning, true to the theme of Philippians, which Pastor Ross will preach on in a bit, we give thanks for joy in Christ and we bring our laments to God in prayer, which we'll do in just a moment. There are just two things I invite you to keep in mind as we enter into this kind of prayer, which is maybe unfamiliar to some. First, lament can be hard to pray because it might feel like we're whining, complaining, or being ungrateful. And God doesn't want to hear that, right? Well, the example in the scriptures, especially the Psalms, show otherwise. Our God lovingly listens to us even while we learn how to wrestle with lament and faith. Second, whether you are discouraged by anything specific this morning or not, prayers of lament are a communal activity. It's a practice. Again, the Psalms show us this. The Psalms were sung together in community. Sometimes communal prayers of lament are for the sake of others. We follow the example of Christ when we weep with those who weep, And rejoice with those who rejoice. So if you are lamenting this morning, we see you, we love you, and we stand in solidarity with you. Okay, enough explanation. Let's pray together. Would you join me in your hearts? Great physician, it breaks our spirits when our bodies suffer. There are countless appointments and treatments, social stigmas, health insurance or the lack of it to manage, prescriptions and doctors that scratch their heads and say we don't know what's wrong or we don't have a cure for that. It breaks our hearts. Does it break your heart too, oh God? We are in debilitating pain. We battle mental health troubles and dementia. We carry diagnoses of incurable or chronic disease. Some of us are exhausted with the emotional and physical drain of infertility, the questions we hold about what's next and the miscarriages we grieve, while others give birth to happy, healthy babies. Oh God, do you see? Do you care? Have you turned your face away? How long, O oh Lord? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, loving relationship is at the center of who you are. Yet many of us are experiencing broken or unhealthy relationships. We didn't sign up for this. We never wanted it this way, and we don't know where it goes from here. Do you know the path? Will you bring repair? Parents are alienated from their children. Children turn their back on their parents. Friendships drift or break apart, leaving aching holes in our hearts. Marriages are dissolved from infidelity, betrayal, and loss of trust, misunderstanding, life changes, and inner brokenness that can't be reconciled or navigated together anymore. Will you step in? Have you turned your face away? How long, O Lord? We are devastated and confused by senseless tragedies and sudden, seemingly avoidable deaths, shootings, drownings, firework accidents, car crashes, and other calamities of all kinds. Children who are still growing up have lost their parents. Parents have had to do the unspeakable and bury their children. We long for redemption, meaning, and purpose, and these tragedies just don't make sense. What can you make of this mess, O Lord? Why do you let these things happen? How long, O Lord? Lord Jesus Christ, ruler over all, addictions of all kinds wreck our lives and the lives of those we love. Day after day, we experience weakness as we succumb to forces that seem to be more powerful than we are. Small victories punctuate falls and steps backward, and we wonder if conquering the thing will ever happen. How long, O oh Lord? Our hearts break with loss that comes from moving away from familiar places. Jobs, homes, and schools. We chide ourselves for feeling sad, out of place, and insecure. We wish it were easier to settle into our new situation. God of the Wanderer, do you hold space for our tears in your heart? Do you care? Loneliness and isolation are so heavy to carry. For some of us, oh God, we simply long for a job that uses our gifts and pays our bills. We need relief from financial hardship a daily reality that we are never not thinking about. Do these things break your heart too, O God? Have you turned your face away? How long, O Lord? Lord Jesus Christ, you wept when your friend Lazarus died. You experienced the full range of human emotions here on earth, and now you sit at the right hand of God praying for us. And so we dare to give over to you all of our cares and troubles, even as we cling to your unfailing love. It is in your name, O Jesus, that we pray all of these things, mentioned and unmentioned. Amen. I invite you to stand as you are able. As we give thanks for God's unfailing love, let's use the words on the screen as our assurance of hope this morning. I will speak the one, and I invite you to speak the all. The reign of God is coming. We wait, we hope, we believe. The reign of God is here. We see the signs in the street, in our homes, among the nations. The reign of God is coming. We cry out in longing for the day of the fulfillment is not yet here. Brothers and sisters in Christ, whether you are rejoicing or weeping or perhaps doing both or somewhere in between, Christ's life, death, and resurrection has ensured our peace with God and with one another. The peace of Christ be with you. As you are comfortable, I invite you to share a sign of that peace with your neighbor.
2: Good morning. My name is Bryce Vanderstelt. I'm the Minister of Youth and Young Adults here at Fellowship, where our mission is to love God and others as an accepting community centered on Christ and focused on developing faithful followers of Jesus. Uh, this morning I get to do the announcements, and I'm going to up the game a little bit. That's the goal, because Ross can just come up here and just do announcements, to name them one after the other. But I like a good transition, so we're going to try to make all the announcements flow straight into each other. You guys would be amazed at the transitions I have this morning. And if we fail, there's no consequences, so it's all right. But let's start out with if you're new here. If you are new here, we have things we call connection cards that we would love. They're out by the information booth. Fill those out so that we know that you're here, so that we can notice you. And if you're someone who's here regularly, if you have prayer requests, if you would like to be contacted, if you're looking for an easy way to connect or to have the church connect to you, you can also grab those, and you can one, fill them out and drop them into the offering plates. Speaking of offering plates... That's also a place where you can drop uh, your checks or your cash if you would like to give here in person. Maybe you guys saw the pastor's video this week, uh, if you got that in your email. We do want to say a thank you just for all of the financial gifts. We just wrapped up this last financial year, and to come out with uh, more money than we spent as a church community is always a gift. There it is. I say it. <laughs> So thank you guys very much, and we appreciate that. If you are at home or if you would like to do uh, giving online, you can do that on our website. Or in the back of the bulletin. Speaking of the bulletin. (laughs) There is a wonder in worship walk. This is an event that's coming up. And there are. uh, I said in the first service. I can't do better than the first sentence in the bulletin. So I'm just going to read this out. Join us on Sunday July 30 at 7 p.m. For an immersive exploration of the ways we experience awe. In various worship practices. So this is an event. Uh, that Jess is leading, and because she is leading it, you guys can trust that this is going to be a well-thought-out, meaningful time together. Uh, So we invite you to that. There's going to be a number of different ways. uh, Talking with Jess this morning, she did mention, it's called the Wonder and Worship Walk, but if uh, walking is not, uh, if there's something keeping you from walking, you're like, oh, if it's all walking, I won't be able to participate. There are different aspects to it. Uh, That walking is just one piece. So we do invite everyone to participate. There will be ways for everyone to take part in that event. Um, Speaking of big events, coming up, a few of our youth leaders right there. This is uh, Friday. We have both our middle school and our high school groups heading out on our big summer trips. The the middle schoolers are going on their first of two trips this summer. They're going to be heading to the new Wilmington mission conference. So they'll be heading out. I think they have two different cars, one heading out on Friday, one heading out on Saturday. And then the high school group is, we have 32 uh, students and leaders that are jumping into Keith Brown's bus, which you can see over there this morning. Uh, And we're going to be driving out to Estes Park, Colorado on Friday. Yeah. So we're excited. Uh, These trips are meaningful. Our goal for these trips is that we build relationships both with each other and with God. So we're going to be out there at an event called Rocky Mountain High which is put on by the RCA, and it is an event where we get to worship God. This is kind of our spiritual retreat uh, event that we have every three years. So we're excited. So be praying in the next week for all those students and leaders that God would be moving in our hearts and in those spaces. That's all we have for the announcements. But in this moment, I would like to invite all the kids to come up right over here and invite my wife Erin up to help me speak to the kids as she does at home but we are going to have our children's moment so children uh, of any age that you would like to come down we invite you to come down and join us down here
3: come over
2: here to see all right well, I'm curious, have any of you guys seen the movie Inside Out? Yeah? Okay, we have a couple of characters in the form of uh, plushies here. And we're going to ask you guys, if you've seen the movie, you'll be able to just to guess by the character. You'll be able to say in the movie Inside Out, if you have not seen it, uh, emotions or feelings are represented by different characters. So... We're going to ask you guys, if you haven't seen the movie, you can tell kind of just by looking at these guys, what do you think their uh, feeling is? So who is this guy? What do you think he's feeling? Anger. anger. Yeah, anger, mad, very good. Do me a favor. Can you guys show me your best, and you got everyone can do this. This is not just us up here. But show me your best angry face. Give me your best angry face. I've <sighs> seen that one before. That one's... Shows up good. What about this one? Sadness. sadness. Yes, sadness. Uh, can you guess, everyone? Just show me your saddest face. What's your saddest face? You got? Mm. Lots of lips coming out. That's good. Well done. How about this one? Joy. Very good. Give me your give me your happiest face. Oh, some of you guys are ahead of me. There you go. And finally, I think we have one more. This one might, if you haven't seen the movie, this one might be a little bit harder to guess. But feel free to guess. What do you think this one is? Yeah, disgust. disgust. Yes. <laughs> uh, thank goodness they've seen the movie. That one would have been harder. Disgust. disgust. That's right. right. That's right. So. <laughs> so. Eating broccoli, rolling your eyes at your dad. hmm I say discuss happens. But these are all feelings that we feel, right? All of us have all of these feelings at different times. And I'm wondering, when you guys feel big feelings, if you guys feel angry or sad or maybe scared, uh, who do you go to? We don't, have, we don't fear. have fear. I know. We're missing one of the characters. I know. I know. I know. We're, we're falling apart. But you're right, fear is in the movie, isn't he? And then he's also an emotion we feel. So when you guys have feelings, who do you go to if you guys have big feelings, if you're sad or angry or scared? Who are some people you might go to? Um, Dad, Dad? yep. Your mom. You go to mommy, yep, because daddy's not good enough. (laughs) In our house, anyway. We're in a phase, that's all right. Well, we heard from, in the last service, we had someone come up, Paulette, Miss Paulette said to me, you know what, I go to my dogs sometimes, right? Maybe you guys have a pet that you go to that can help you feel comforted, right? Mm-hmm.
3: So today, Pastor Ross is going to preach from a book in the Bible that's actually a letter that was written a long, long time ago. And it's a letter called Philippians. Can you guys say Philippians. Philippians. What do you think? Do you think everybody out there can say Philippians? You guys all say Philippians? (laughs) Philippians. So this is a letter that was written by a man named Paul. And he wrote it to all of his friends in the city of Philippi. That's why it's called Philippians. And in this letter... Paul says to his friends, it doesn't matter what feelings you have or how big they are, if you're scared or sad or mad or really happy, that you can bring all of your feelings to God. Does anybody have any ideas down here about what it might look like to bring your feelings to God? That's a big thing. Rose already did this once, so she has an idea. What's your idea, Rose? Talking to God, that's a great idea. (laughs) So bringing your feelings to God can look like talking to God about your big feelings. Does anybody know what word we use for talking to God? What do we call that, Sam? Pray, very good. So maybe your mom and dad or your grandma or grandpa or your husband, Pastor Bryce, or your best friend or your dog aren't around Um, or maybe they are, but you just want to tell God about your feelings, and that's a great thing. God says, I am always there for you. God is always there in every emotion. Isn't that cool? Yeah? You're talking...
2: I'm great. So we bring our feelings to God, and one of the cool things too is I want you guys to look around, and you guys too look around. One of the cool things as a church is that we not only have God to come to to be our friend and to care for us, but we have all of these people who are a part of our church who we can also talk to and help help us with our feelings too. So that's part of being a church. So we're going to pray now, and then I'm going to dismiss you. If you're in children and worship, you can go to children and worship, and if uh, you're older than that, you can go back to your parents. So let's pray together. God, we are thankful that you're not afraid of any of our feelings, but we can feel big feelings and that you're always there to hear us through prayer and that you've given us a community and family and a church that can care for us as well. So thank you for each of these kids, and we pray that you continue to go with each of us through the rest of the sermon or service and that you be with Ross as he preaches more on Philippians. In your name we pray, amen. So as we speak about God being our friend, we, I invite you all to stand up as we sing What a Friend We Have in Jesus.
1: Yeah.
4: Friends, I invite you now to hear the word of the Lord from the book that we love, Philippians chapter 1 and chapter 4. These are words that I have genuinely thought and prayed over you, Fellowship Church. The good book says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day Up until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion to the day of Christ. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the praise and glory of God. Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things and the peace of God will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Mighty God, strong enough to save and close enough to care, I pray that you would even now give us all that we need today in order to live out that text. Even more so, please send your Holy Spirit upon us to inspire us and convict us into whatever you have designed for us in this moment. And to that end, I pray with the psalmist that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And all God's people said, amen. One of my favorite get-to-know-you games is a game called Would You Rather. It is as simple as it sounds. It's a conversation starter that basically asks the same question over and over, given a choice between two seemingly opposite things. Would you rather this or that? Let's try it a little bit with some of the popular examples first, and then we're going to do it Philippian style. So just say out loud which one is your preference. Would you Rather, eat Skittles or M&Ms? <laughs> there, there we go. That's some passion over there. Would you rather be a dolphin or an eagle? eagle? Oh, wow. That was united. Okay. Would you rather be eight foot tall or two foot tall? Those are our Guinness Book World Record holders right there. Would you rather live 100 years in the past or 100 years in the future? A lot of past going on there. Okay. Now let's try it Philippians style. Would you rather rejoice or suffer? It's not a trick question. (laughs) Would you rather live or die? Duh. Would you rather be humiliated or glorified? Yeah, this is not as fun as the other version right now, is it? One more. Would you rather work or rest? We'll come back to those in a moment, but you will may notice that the whole game is based on binaries. You're given a choice between this or that and forced to choose in an all-or-nothing kind of way. If you play this game with groups, and I'm sure many of you have, almost inevitably what happens is someone eventually wants to just go and stand in the middle and pick both, but you can't. It's against the rules for the game. In the English language... When an unnecessary choice is forced upon us, that's called a false dichotomy. Examples abound. In fact, here's one from some art from about 100 years ago, the year 1901. It's called the Young American's Dilemma. You got the guy in the middle scratching his chin. He just graduated from public high school. And the choice before him is, shall I be wise and great or shall I be rich and powerful? As if those are the only options and they're incompatible. It's a binary. It's a this or that scenario. Here's a few more examples. On the left side, we'll have a sign that is saying America. And the choice is love it or leave it. Again, as if those are the only possible options. No other way to think about it. Or also, faith and science are put forward as road signs going in opposite directions as if you must choose one or the other, and there's no other way. Of course, it's not accurate. The, uh, there's a cartoon that caught my attention, and maybe you can relate to this one. You go up to a front desk somewhere, and the person says, do you want to donate $15 to feed starving children, or do you hate children? <laughs> And then the next one with the guy with the top hat says, "Well, that's a false dichotomy." And the person says back, "Yes, but we have to embrace false dichotomies because the only alternative is cannibalism." <laughs> Come on. If you've lived on planet Earth for a while, you have probably figured out that not everything is an either or situation. Many things often it's more of a both and kind of scenario. So so a couple more examples. The guy, the red guy on the the left side here, is he standing on the top or the bottom of that triangle? Yeah, both. (laughs) There you go, both. Over here, is that a picture of a large cat face or is it a bunch of small pictures of flowers? Both. Why am I doing this with you this morning? Here's why. In studying the book of Philippians, especially this week, what caught my attention is that it is a book of paradoxical opposites that are brought together and held together throughout this short book of four chapters. Philippians, in a rather puzzling way, is both the book of joy and the book of suffering. It's both a book of living and of dying. It's both a book of humility and of glory. It's a book that focuses on faith and on works. And when Philippians presents these things to us, it's not presenting us each of these as if they are polar opposites and we must choose only one of them. It's repeatedly putting these things before us and suggesting that we embrace both, even if we must do so paradoxically. Before we dig into a couple of them as examples, I want to offer two reminders and one key word for the day. Reminder number one, almost two years ago in the fall of 2021, we were in a sermon series here at Fellowship called And. We've even come to call it the Fellowship And. And the series was marked with an ampersand as our logo, that symbol right there, and our texts for that series were assigned by the narrative lectionary. The ampersand, you'll notice, is a little bit like an infinity loop, which takes two bubbles and weaves them together almost continuously. And what we found in that series that we were going through together is that in Genesis, we are presented with God, who is both big and close, not one without the other. In Exodus, we found that humanity is both free and connected, that we have rights and responsibilities, not one without the other. In the book of Psalms, we discover that I am a sinner and a saint, and both simultaneously. You get the idea. The series moved forward and simply reminded us, among other things, that if you spend too much time on only one side of either any of those and statements, you end up with a pretty whacked out worldview. That's reminder number one. Reminder number two. This summer, we're in a series called Letters from Home. And in it, we are recognizing that the letters are the New Testament epistles, and home is God's kingdom come. If you look at the cover of your bulletin, you'll notice that regularly we are reminded of this triple claim, further up, further in, and further out. It's a way of recognizing that most of these letters are written with all three of those in place, pointing us to go upward toward God, inward towards our life together in the church, and then also outward towards God's great big world. Philippians certainly does all three of these things, and perhaps uniquely, Philippians does it in a paradoxical kind of way for us. Which brings me to the one key word of the day, the word I hope you remember. The word is... Whatever, whatever. That word, whatever, appears in Philippians approximately 10 different times. And it seems to be the Apostle Paul's way of cutting through the otherwise false dichotomies that we experience in this world. Rather than saying that life is always this or only that, Paul repeatedly says, whatever, 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 whatever. We probably need to define the term a little bit because we use the word whatever rather flippantly in our world today. So I've got four options, and I need your participation on this. I have a little fun with it. But we have a few characters up there. First, you got your valley girl. The valley girl uses that word dismissively, maybe even disrespectfully. Whatever, right? You say it. There we go. That's a lot of attitude right there. All right. Next up is a Woodstock hippie who uses it perhaps Permissively, it's a UBU, anything goes kind of thing. Whatever you want, you try. Very good. That one's hard to do. Okay. We need some else someone with real inflection. Then we have a surfer dude, and the surfer dude doesn't care. It is just disinterested. Whatever, dude. You try it. Last but not least, we have the loving parent and the loving parent offers it in a kind of all-encompassing whatsoever kind of way where the parent comes alongside the child and says, whatever you're going through, whatever happens, wherever you are, I'm there for you. You can come to me. It's that kind of whateverism. And when Paul uses the word whatever in the book of Philippians, he's not using it disrespectfully like a valley girl. He's not using it permissively as a Woodstock hippie, he's not using it uncaringly like a surfer dude. He's using it more like a parent where he is saying in all situations, he is commending faith and faithfulness no matter what happens in life. You could call it a faithful whateverism that he is suggesting, especially through all the paradoxical situations we experience in life. Let's look at a few examples. First up, we have life and death. Not life or death, but life and death. The Apostle Paul says it in Philippians chapter 1 verse 21 where he says, "For me to live is Christ and to die is gain." That's odd. We much more typically think of these two as polar opposites. They're incompatible, we think. In fact, in our world, there's multiple billion-dollar industries that exist in order to prolong life and avoid death at all costs, right? Meanwhile, when death finally does come, we often treat it as if it's the final word on everything. It's the end. Life and death, we think, are incompatible often. When younger generations nowadays speak of some of these popular phrases, YOLO, FOMO, Foblo. Have you heard of these? You, of course, have. YOLO is you only live once. FOMO is fear of missing out. Foblo, that's from iGen. Do you know this one? Fear of being left out. It's a social thing. But all of them are really indicating a kind of obsession with life, everything over here please, and certainly nothing over here, an avoidance or denial of death. When older generations say things like, the good old days are gone, it's a little bit of a giving up on life and a giving over to death, isn't it? Because we treat these two as opposites. And yet, in Philippians, Paul does not treat these two things as if they are irreconcilable opposites. He holds them forth as a paradoxical pair for us. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's as if he's saying that life and death are like two sides of the same coin. And the coin belongs to Christ. I had a professor in seminary who used to say about significant things like scripture or sacraments, or salvation, the professor would say that in these things, the most important thing is Christ, 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 Christ. And it's as if the Apostle Paul is saying this very same thing in regard to life and death. He's saying the thing that matters most is Christ, 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 Christ. He says it elsewhere in the scriptures, Romans chapter 14, verse 8. There he says, if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, We die to the Lord so that whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. That's different. I recently had the opportunity to read someone else's mail fitting to our series for this particular summer. It was a letter, a two-line letter from the 1970s a pastor in Cambodia. Now remember in that time, I'll remind you, Cambodia was called the Killing Fields. It was at the time of the reign of terror of Pol Pot. And this pastor was writing a letter to his congregation, people he knew and loved. And he wrote a two-line letter and it simply said this, "My dearest friends, for me to live is Christ and to die is and to die is gain. Please pray." that this will be worked out in my life. Sincerely, your brother in Christ. Can you imagine asking some of your closest friends to pray that very thing, thing over your life here and now? It makes me wonder about all the inconsequential things that I sometimes obsess over in daily life. Any guesses how the Apostle Paul ends this section about life and death? He ends it by proposing a faithful whateverism. He says, Whatever happens, this or that, whether living or whether dying, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. After looking upward, Philippians moves onward and invites us to look inward to our life together in the church. And now, the odd paradoxical pairing that we are given is. Happy feelings and hard times. And once again, of course, we think that these things do not belong together at all. They are, in fact, polar opposites, we think. And the best way to have happy feelings is, of course, to avoid hard times, by all means, right? And if you are in the midst of some kind of hard time, we think, we don't ever expect that there will be happy feelings in the midst of them. It's pretty common sense, right? Right? Over here we recognize everybody wants to be happy. We want it for ourselves, we want it for the ones we love. We want it all the time. And we think that happiness happens when times are good, when the money's flowing, when life is stress-free, when you are healthy and happy that life is good. That's when we expect things to be happy. Meanwhile, if you're over here and and your health is down, anxiety is up, your relationships are strained, work isn't working, whatever it might be. If times are hard, the last thing we expect is to be happy. If there's ever been an either-or situation in life, this one seems to be it. They seem to be at odds. And yet, Philippians says not so fast to such a false dichotomy. Let me give you just two uh, of the nicknames that help illustrate for us. Perhaps you know this. If not, I'm happy to tell you. The book of Philippians' first nickname is the book of joy. It's called the book of joy because it has an irregular abundance of happy terms in it. From the first chapter to the last, and evenly distributed throughout, you'll find a constant tone of gladness in the book of Philippians. Tally the terms, and you'll find that even just the word joy and rejoice appears 16 times. That's a lot. You can add to that some of the other terms that the Apostle Paul uses in there, where he speaks of friendship and affection and of fondness and of Partnering with these people whom he loves. And you get the idea. The whole mood of the book is happy. It's the book of joy. And if you read it this week, which I hope you do, I think you'll find that that's the mood. Meanwhile, and at the same time, Philippians is also called a prison letter. There's four prison letters. Uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. What that means is that these letters were written when the Apostle Paul was in jail elsewhere. So he's writing this happy letter when he is experiencing himself a hard time. Even going further than that, not only is this a place that he wrote a letter to Philippi from a different prison cell, Philippi is also a place, this image is the exact place, we think, where Paul was imprisoned in the city of Philippi. And unjustly so, not because of criminal activity. He was being like Jesus, (laughs) And they put him in jail for it. You can read about it in Acts chapter 16. Or it's even on our our postcards if you want to grab one of those. Philippians has as many as 12 different references in it. To imprisonment, to suffering, to loss, and to tears. Scholars have even noticed that there are so many opponents. There's maybe even as many as 18 different opponents or enemies of Paul and his gospel that he's sharing with this city Called Philippi. It's the book of joy, to be sure, but it is also simultaneously a book of trouble. And Paul is not choosing between happiness and hard times, he's embracing both. Now, I wish I knew how to land the plane of this point a little better than I actually do. Explanations seem cheap when it comes to this. Because we all know both happy feelings and hard times are present in our lives. Some might explain it by saying that it's in the definitions of joy and of happiness. And if we define the terms just right, it'll make sense. Maybe. Others might say that it's in our attitudes, that it's the power of positive thinking. It's it's pro-optimism and against pessimism. Maybe. Still others might say that it's some kind of masochism, which means that you'd take pleasure in pain. Probably not. Whatever it is, I find an easy formula elusive. But what I notice is that the Apostle Paul simply credits God and names a mystery. The mystery is that there is a peace that passes understanding that is available to us from God, Always. Just over a week ago, we had a funeral for one of our very own, Sparky Dale Overway, and it was a unique form of funeral. I received a call, it was a Saturday, from one of my friends. While I was driving to this funeral, the friend begins by saying, Hey, it's Saturday, what are you up to? It's happy, right? Well, I'm on my way to a funeral. Right? Nothing kills a conversation kind of like that. But this was a unique funeral. First of all, the funeral was a buzz. It was well attended and the people who were arriving were chitter-chattering and living it up together. Typically when you go to a funeral, they're not often all that well attended. There's a solemnness and even a silence of just sitting there and waiting for it to start. Not this one. So much so that J.B., who was there, couldn't help but name it before anything else happened. The second thing that was unique about this funeral is that after a family member shared some stories about Sparky, the congregation erupted in applause. That's weird. In a wonderful way for a funeral. Now, to be sure, tears were shed And there was sadness in the room, too. But it was also full of laughter. It was a time to remember Sparky. And Sparky lived up to his name. He brought a spark to life. And he was one who loved God and who loved others. And at this particular funeral, when we were recognizing that throat cancer and maybe other circumstances took him home sooner than any of us wanted or expected, His funeral was vibrant. It was a good funeral. Am I allowed to say that? I think I am, because our scriptures tell us that we Christians, we mourn, but we do not mourn as those who have no hope. Even Jesus is the one who said, in this world you will have trouble. Don't be surprised by it, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And you guess how Paul, how Paul concludes this book of joy, which is also a prison letter simultaneously? Yeah. Proposing a faithful whateverism. In fact, he uses the word six times over whatever, 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 whatever. All of the references are positive. And then he finally simply affirms that the God of peace is with you, no matter what. Whatever. One more. After looking upward to God and inward into our life together in the church, Philippians invites us to look outward to our life posture in the world. And here the peculiar pairing is a life posture of either running or resting, or both. And of course, in this instance, maybe more so than the others, we all have our preferences and we pick our sides. So over on this side, on the running side, some of us are runners, right? I mean, we are achievers. We are Doers, we find and feel our worth by working. If you are a runner and you're planning a vacation, it's going to be a trip. That's what we call it in my family. It's a trip, which means it's a go, go, go kind of thing. There are things to do, there are sights to see, and when your vacation is over, you need a vacation from your vacation. Because you were going so hard. If there was a slogan to be had on this particular side of life, the running side of things, it's it's a T-shirt that I received at a mission conference. It's always stuck with me. The slogan was, "You have one life, do something. Run." On the other side of the equation is the resters. Some of us are resters. We're chill. We're present in the moment. Over here, a a life of hustling and bustling and hurrying. That's an undesirable life. On this side, if you're planning a vacation, guess what you're seeking? A lazy chair, an infinity pool, and a drink with an umbrella in it. (laughs) If there's a slogan to be had on this side of the equation, I'm a little embarrassed to admit this, but I heard Delilah say it this week on the radio. Let go and let God, you know, that's a, it's just a phrase that we kind of say rather than running. So any guesses, which one of these two is present in the book of Philippians? Both. (laughs) Duh. First in chapter three, Paul says about living the faith in the world. He says, press on, run the race, strive in order to win the prize. And then in chapter four, he says, I have learned the secret of being content in all circumstances. And he instructs the folks to hold fast and to stand firm, which is a bit different than running. I love how one honest commentator has said that some of us overplay the athletic theme and others of us overplay the detachment theme. And what we really need is a balance of both, like that. The downside of always running and never resting is that you're always anxious Kind of like the rabbit in Alice in Wonderland, a cartoon character, who the one who is always saying, too much to do and too little time, always hurrying, always hurrying. But runners beware, if you're always running and never resting, you are a slave to something. And it'd be worth doing the interior work of finding out what that is. Psalm 46, verse 10 says to all of us who are sometimes stuck on the hamster wheel of life, says, be still and know that the Lord is God. The downside, on the other hand, of always resting and never running is that you end up like Sid the sloth. It's to do nothing whatsoever, and you end up being a kind of traveling companion that nobody wants because you don't contribute ever. Resters, beware if you're always Resting and never running. You just might be wasting your life. I'm convicted by the words of a pastor in Japan, the founder of the Friends of Jesus movement, who said, I read in the Bible of a man called Christ who went about doing good. It is very disconcerting to me that I am so easily satisfied with just going about. Running and resting, and both of them integrated, woven together. That's the Philippians way. And Paul ends this section also by commending yet again another faithful whateverism. He says, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstance. Content to be running, content to be resting, and content with a balanced rhythm of both. And when Paul says whatever, he's not being disrespectful like a valley girl. He's not being permissive like a Woodstock hippie. He's not uncaring like a surfer dude. He is instead promoting an all-encompassing whatsoeverism, an allegiance to God, whether living or dying, in happy times and in hard times, whether running or resting, whatever. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Whatever. Whatsoever. People of God, our faith can hold paradox because Christ holds all things together. I love how Pastor Ross said the coin belongs to Christ. You were quoting somebody, weren't you? No, that was just you. All right, put that on a t-shirt. The coin belongs to Christ, Pastor Ross. (laughs) And so we can raise a hallelujah to our king, In the middle of any storm and any mystery, I invite you to stand and let's respond in song.
1: See you.
4: faithful whatever-ism and allegiance to God no matter what. May the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you always, just as God has promised. Go in peace.